0: And they're cloaking this um, and selling it to people uh, with collectivist uh, terminology um, and propaganda and claiming that this is all uh, we all have to come together to save the planet. But really, we're uh, we're not saving the planet. We're handing it. If, if we go along with this, we're handing it on a silver platter to people that will destroy it and will destroy us um, as a species. You're listening to The Corbett Report.
1: Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to The Corbett Report. It is the 23rd of November, 2021. And long-time old hands at The Corbett Report will know that I have been trying my best to ring the alarm bell about the green financial swindle for many, many years now. And unfortunately, that uh, has gotten lost in the mix with all of the back and forth um, with people who are 100% on board with the climate change scam in general. People might know my opinions on that. But that doesn't matter for the purposes of today's conversation. No matter what you think about man's role in changing the climate, you should be concerned about the financial swindle that is underway right now that I've talked about for many, many years. For example, back in 2016, I was trying to ring the alarm bell about the $90 trillion in energy infrastructure investments that were being touted as necessary to save Mother Earth at that time in my article, my slightly inaccurately titled article on And Now for the $100 Trillion Bankster Climate Swindle. Uh, I was talking a couple of months uh, later about who wants to be a carbon trillionaire, noting Inside Climate News and other such organizations being directly funded by the Rockefeller Family Fund. I talked uh, a couple months after that about the second most important bank you've never heard of, referring to the Global Environment Facility that was created at least in part as part uh, in response to a call by Edmund de Rothschild at the Fourth World Wilderness Conference in uh, Denver, Colorado, in 1987, to create a World Conservation Bank. Uh, I was talking about how and why big oil conquered the world, where you might remember I was bringing up the carbon ration swindle and how that's going to be tied into the new energy economy. Uh, 2018, I was talking about pay up or the earth gets it, talking uh, at that time about how the latest UN IPCC report is saying that we need to put a high price on carbon, ka-ching, ka-ching, for the people who are controlling those controlled and rigged markets. And you might remember 2019, what is the future of bankster finance? Where I was talking about Mark Carney, then the outgoing governor of the Bank of England, uh, and one of his final speeches in that role, talking about the need for the creation of the new energy economy, sustainable, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and by the way, we need a hundred trillion dollars in investments in this space. To my mind-boggling amazement, very, very few researchers have taken up this incredibly important field of research With the notable exception, thankfully, being Whitney Webb of UnlimitedHangout.com. I know you're familiar with her work by now, but we're going to be talking specifically about a couple of articles that she's written along these lines, digging in and really uh, unveiling what is being done right now to create one of the largest, not just a financial swindle, but one of the largest natural resource land grabs in the history of the planet happening right now in the name of saving the mother, saving mother Earth for the benefit of the banksters. So, Whitney Webb, thank you very much for writing these articles. Thanks for joining us here today.
0: Absolutely, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on to talk about this stuff.
1: All right. Well, I couldn't think of, well, I could think of many things that are worth talking about at the moment, but this is one of the most important and one of the most underlooked. So let's take a look at, first of all, Just before the Conference of the Parties kicked off in Glasgow um, uh, earlier this month or late last month, uh, the New York Stock Exchange came out to unveil a new asset class, natural asset companies, that they had developed with something called the Intrinsic Exchange Group. And you wrote about this in an article called Wall Street's Takeover of Net Nature Advances with Launch of New Asset Class. Tell us about natural asset companies and what the idea here is.
0: All right, so natural asset companies or corporations um, are are basically a new asset class, as you mentioned, and they're a company and listing vehicle that allows them to be listed on the stock exchange. Um, so the people behind this are the New York Stock Exchange with this group you mentioned, the Intrinsic Exchange Group, in which the New York Stock Exchange has a minority stake. So they're directly related. But uh, the main people behind the Intrinsic Exchange Group are the Rockefeller Foundation, um, a venture capital firm called Aberdeer Ventures, which is mainly focused on digital healthcare, care. Um, and the uh, – I'm blanking on the third one – Give me a second. <laughs>
1: uh, I am too, uh, but, and oh, I just sorry. read this. Uh, the
0: Inter-American uh, Development yes. Bank, uh, which is part of the uh, multilateral development banking system, which is very involved in... Uh, the stuff I've been writing about recently, uh, they, of course, being the arm of that banking system uh, that's focused on Latin America and the Caribbean specifically. Um, and it's no coincidence that it's that bank because the pilot program for all of these uh, natural asset corporations is currently happening in Latin America, uh, with Costa Rica being the first country on the chopping block Um so to speak. So basically, um, what natural asset corporations are is that they seek, uh, to, uh, according to the, one of the main people at the New York Stock Exchange uh, behind this, um, they seek to, um, identify and, uh, a natural asset, an ecosystem service, um, and allow investors to uh, invest in something of intrinsic value that has not been previously monetized before. Um, and so these are things like the ecosystem services, uh, through which, uh, clean air, clean water is produced. Um, carbon sequestration among other things they want to monetize all of this stuff license access to things um in nature that were previously considered to be the global commons, the property of all, um, and, and things like that. Um, and basically what they want to do is uh, take control of that. They quantify it. Um, they, um, give it a, <laughs> they create a company to manage it. It's so insane. Um, a board of directors, um, you know, management team and all of this stuff. And then they, they give it an IPO an initial public offering, um, On a stock exchange, but it turns out the Natural Asset Corporation is just the issuer of this natural asset and that anyone uh, can buy it, uh, including private investors, sovereign wealth funds, um, you know, so you can have the sovereign wealth fund of a foreign country buy all the natural assets of another country uh, thousands of miles away, or you can have uh, an asset management firm like BlackRock that already owns so much, uh, you know, uh, extend their ownership. Uh, even further to things that have not been previously monetized before. That's essentially uh, natural asset corporations in a nutshell. And they view the opportunity, as they call it, um, as as the fact that what they refer to as nature's economy, assigning uh, economic value to nature, uh, allows them to tap into a much larger asset class than the existing economy. So by their estimates, existing assets or at about $512 trillion uh, per their estimates by opening up nature's economy, uh, they can gain access to four quadrillion uh, in, in assets. And that's e- expressly what they describe as the opportunity here, not the opportunity to save the planet and better manage natural assets or conserve or any of this. The opportunity is uh, you know, new, new fodder for the casino essentially.
1: Exactly right. It is the casino economy. And hey, what's the best way to, you know, we're continually blowing up this ridiculous financial bubble. How can we uh, expand it another order of magnitude? Oh, I don't know. We'll call it nature's economy and start assigning an intrinsic value to natural processes and natural um, uh, uh, entities. It's it's self-evidently a swindle. And you get that, I think, when you go to that intrinsic exchange solution page and you go down to the value captured in a natural asset company and they start to break down how they evaluate these things. And they're talking about natural production. So obviously things that you can directly monetize, like if you're bottling water and selling it or something, that's you know natural production value. But store of value, okay. So a natural equity is a store of value like any other security or monetized asset. The stock of water, timber, biodiversity. Okay, I guess you can put some kind of dollar figure on that. Traditional production, risk reduction that's where you start to get into some very big financial chicanery that can go on there counter cyclical assets financial asset realization through securitization so ka-ching ka-ching for all of course the financial uh, gurus who do that um, for their living but for me intrinsic value is just the most i mean it's the most meaningless thing to try to assign a specific dollar value to, especially because even in their own, uh, they they even admit, we are using intrinsic value as the umbrella for values not yet identified or quantified, as well as values such as cultural, social, aesthetic, spiritual, etc. Okay, (laughs) well, I think the spiritual value of whatever this piece of land is... $18 trillion. Now let's securitize that. I mean, it's totally, it's (laughs) just nonsense. But hey, it's nonsense that sounds green and sustainable. So it is a swindle for sure what is happening right now. But, and actually on that note, I'll just throw in, I don't know if you saw, but um, uh, Tariq Fancy, who was apparently um, the key in uh, sustainable investment portfolio manager for BlackRock, wrote this three-part whistleblower series, basically blowing the whistle. Obviously, he's 100% on with every part of the green scam, but he's saying, you know, actually, this is kind of charlatanry, and these people don't really care about saving nature, and this isn't going to help save Mother Earth. (laughs) Shock, surprise. So I'll throw that in if people haven't seen read that yet. Um, But beyond the scam uh, part of this is the very real uh, uh, monopolizing of nature and natural resources itself that will be forwarded through this. Through the multi, uh, multi-development banks, the multinational development banks, the World Bank, the IMF. Talk about that aspect of this scam.
0: So part of what we see with natural asset corporations, what we see in some other things I've covered recently, is an effort to completely remake the multilateral uh, development uh, baking system as a way to force countries specifically in the developing world to, um, to open up uh, and, and to reimagine, as Larry Fink called it recently, um, those institutions uh, to force companies to become uh, investment friendly, uh, for certain people, but also to sort of, uh, continue their existing, uh, way of doing business, which in the past has been, uh, debt entrapment to force these countries to adopt policies or accept investors they normally wouldn't accept, um, move away from using debt to just using basically climate change related or environmental, uh, environmentally justified, uh, dictates, um, uh, in, in lieu of debt so you don't necessarily have to entrap uh, countries in debt anymore. you can just demand uh, because of the perceived urgency of the need to move to net zero or things like that um, that these uh, policies be be adopted or these investment projects uh, from foreign investors obviously be accepted. So, it's definitely um, moving from uh, maintaining the existing predatory system in a sense, uh, but moving it to a way that gives a lot more um, uh, power. Uh, to uh, private sector entities and, and really the bankers um, essentially and, and how and, and how to loot and the extent to loot and allowing them uh, to target things that haven't previously been lootable uh, to be looted. So in the past, a lot of these banks um, could do thi- um, could uh, basically force the privatization of state assets. That's what we've seen a lot in the past several years with austerity right in the IMF. Um, and things like that, forcing countries to privatize state assets, uh, largely to foreign investors. What you're going to see with this um, is instead natural assets uh, being you know, uh, put on the chopping block instead of state-owned uh, existing monetized assets and things like that. Uh, it's going to be natural assets that uh, these uh, companies are going to, or that these banks are going to try and force um, forced to open up and to be, um, you know, basically sold off um, to to foreign interests. Um, And what's interesting is that the IMF actually has tried this uh, for probably a couple decades now, in Argentina specifically, one of the few countries, uh, well, they obviously, Argentina has a very long um, and storied history with the IMF, um, but they've been trying for years to do something in Argentina that's a debt for land swap, uh, trying to get, um, essentially a big chunk of uh, southern Argentina, Patagonia, uh, in exchange for debt, uh, which is uh, part of a broader issue. Since I live not too far from there, there's a lot of very interesting things going on um, in Patagonia in terms of, in terms of land grabs um, and things like that. But that's definitely part of what we uh, will likely see is if, in, in, uh, if this advances uh, to the degree to which they want to take it.
1: Absolutely, it will. And just on that note, uh, since you bring it up, I'll throw in a link to my What is Sustainable Development podcast from a few years ago where I talked about that. I... I I, I mean, you can't believe they even just flat out say it, but it is called a debt for nature swap. <laughs> and this has been, all, they've been trying to shoehorn this in one way or another for for uh, decades at this point, but they're really starting to go for it. And this is another key way that they're going to achieve this, the NACs. And as you point out towards the end of the article, the people who will be most victimized by this are some of the poorest, financially poorest people in the world, uh, living in indigenous communities in the developing world, who are going to suddenly find their areas are being privatized, essentially, by these natural asset companies with private investors and BlackRock and whoever else coming in, swooping in and uh, monetizing yeah. their own natural resources. It, and all in the name of Mother Earth. You can't dispute this or else you're a horrible right-wing Coke brother, big oil-funded shill, right?
0: Yeah, well, they're going to frame it as that these institutional investors and these people that behind the NACs are better suited to protect these natural assets than the indigenous communities or local communities that um, inhabit these areas. And this is part of this UN-backed plan, uh, for example, to what, like 30% um, uh, of the world has to become protected areas, protected areas where no one can live. Um, So essentially, A lot of this is focused, again, on the developing world and creating these protected areas, which is going to necessitate uh, that those people are forced off of their land. And um, in Latin America, there have been efforts to do this by private um, entities or billionaires. Um, In the case of Chile, it was quite controversial when the the founder of North Face, uh, the the brand, uh, basically tried to divide Chi Continental <laughs> Chile in half um, and kicked out um, a bunch of people there under the name of conservation. Uh, you also have the efforts uh, throughout uh, Southern South America by the Nature Conservancy, uh, recently led by Henry Paulson himself, um, former Goldman Sachs um, and uh, Secretary of the Treasury under, under Bush, leading that particular entity, also trying to create these protected areas. So they're you know, it's not just the UN. The UN is, is, is essentially saying this needs to happen, but there's different mechanisms and different groups that have been developed to uh, sort of uh, bring about this change. Um, but they're framing it as something that, you know, is, is good for the planet and all of this, right? But really it's, um, you know, a neocolonialist endeavor um, is probably the easiest way to um, explain it. And it's really amazing um, that there aren't um, more people on, on the left Um, you know, screaming about this, considering that, you know, this is um, a very obviously imperialist, uh, predatory, neoliberal um, agenda, all of those buzzwords um, are there. And it's, um, you know, either being glossed over or being applauded uh, by people on the left. It's very uh, disheartening in that sense, but hopefully it'll change.
1: You don't get it, Whitney. These bankster billionaires and their financial capitalist buddies are on on the side of nature this time. I, I thank God they've seen the light. All right, let's let's transition then to the other article along these lines that you've written in recent weeks. This one: UN Banked UN-backed Banker Alliance announces green plan to transform the global financial system, referring to G fans. Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero, which was announced at that COP26 in Glasgow earlier this month. Tell us just in a nutshell, what is the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero?
0: All right. Um, the, the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero um, is essentially um, a, a grouping, a conglomeration of all of these big banks, asset managers um, and asset owners. Um, and they have come together with the shared goal of under the guy or under the excuse, really, um, of Net Zero to create a new system of global financial governments Um a whole new financial system is essentially how they describe it. Um, it's led by Mark Carney, who you mentioned earlier, um, being the former head of the bank of England, bank of Canada. Um, now I guess he's the UN special envoy for climate action and finance, as well as a special, um, advisor, I believe to Boris Johnson of the UK for COP26, um, where, um, G fans made a big uh, splash as well but it was actually created earlier this year in april and was launched uh a lot but not just by mark carney but by janet yellen uh secretary of the treasury of the u.s um and john Kerry. so it, it appears to be mainly a u.s and uk backed enterprise uh, also interesting is you have this guy named nigel topping uh in the leadership board his his title is high level climate action champion um which is a, a really fun sounding name, but he's important because his, um, he used to be the head of a group called we mean business that was climate focused. And if you're familiar with Corey Morningstar's work on, uh, Uh, Greta Thunberg in her series, The Manufacturing of Greta Thunberg for Consent. Uh, We Mean Business is one of the main groups that essentially created the Greta Thunberg uh, figure for the manufactured uh, climate change movement. So it's very interesting to see him there with his uh, illustrious uh, title, um, (laughs) which is, uh, you know, uh, hard not to laugh at, but I, I guess they take it. He takes it seriously, at least. Whitney, um, you can be our high in level to, independent
1: um, truth champion. So there you go. I give you that title. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks. So in, in addition, so so that's that's the leadership with Mike Bloomberg now who's been added there. Um, can't remember if I mentioned that or not. But of course, you know, uh, billionaire Mike Bloomberg. Um below him uh these people at the which are like the leadership essentially um of g fans you have the principals of g fans which includes the heads of uh bank of america banco santander which is like one of the biggest banks of uh spain uh hsbc uh which has routinely been caught you know being the money laundering bank for drug cartels and all of that stuff don't worry about that they care about the environment this time um uh, Citigroup, uh, Larry Fink, the head of BlackRock, head of the London Stock Exchange Group, uh, head of the David Rockefeller Fund, which is essentially lead- leading a subgroup of this alliance, uh, which is the uh, Net Zero Asset Owner Alliance. Uh, there's like uh, a lot of different groups behind this, but really it's the leadership and the principles that... Um, that we should be looking at because they're really directing and planning out what this group will do. um, And with, you know, with the power of the people or rather institutions that form this alliance. Um, So GFANS has a couple of different goals um, that we can uh, uh, talk about in more detail. Uh, So essentially what they want to do uh, per them is create high integrity, credible, global carbon markets. They had to put all of those things in front of carbon markets. Um, That's pretty telling in and of itself, I would think, Um, as well as what they call creating country platforms. uh, And then this recreation of the multilateral development banking system are essentially their goal, uh, their main goals, near-term ambitions, as they call it. Um, And basically, their focus here is specifically on emerging and developing countries, What is a country
1: platform exactly, and how does that relate to this?
0: Okay, so um, I don't think, I don't know if you've uh, seen this video or not, but after I wrote this article, John Kerry, who was one of the people that launched this, was speaking at the Bloomberg New Economy Forum, which followed right after COP26, and he's talking about G-fans. He's talking about how he's met with all of the big banks and all of the great philanthropists which he names as being Dave, the David Rockefeller fund um, and uh, Jeff Bezos and Mike Bloomberg. Um, And he says, I have, we have all this money to invest, but how do we deploy that money? We have to deploy that money. He emphasizes that over and over again, that this isn't money to give away. This is money to invest, right? So how do we deploy that money? Well, that's through creating these country platforms, which they describe, um, and typical, you know, uh, Davo style as being public-private uh, collaboration um, <clears throat> and, and things like that. But if you look at the example they give, which is Mike Bloomberg's uh, Climate Leadership Finance Initiative, um, if you actually look at what that is, um, there's really no role for national governments at all really, uh, beyond central banks. Central bank is the extent to which government is involved in these country platforms. Um, and essentially, it's a mechanism for stakeholder capitalism. Um, it, uh, per, the, per their definition, it uh, convenes and aligns stakeholders around a specific issue or geography, a specific area of the world or a, 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 um, a particular concern, I guess. Um, clean, clean water, carbon sequestration, whatever, something like that. Uh, what, what you're having is uh, creating platforms that make this money deployable um, using the power of the multilateral development banks uh, which pop up in there IMF um, and the World Bank, central banks and then uh, private uh, private sector financial institutions, essentially forcing countries to open up, uh, to the investment projects and designs of people uh, within uh, or the institutions operating within this this G fans alliance. Essentially, it's a very creative way um, of of marketing this, I guess, because country platform sounds like there's collaboration from the country being targeted, uh, whereas uh, you know that's quite. Um, their involvement is actually quite minimal. Um, and you can kind of tell that from the way John Kerry talks about it, too. He says, you know, uh, we, we need countries, national governments uh, to create, to basically, you know, uh, create the necessary conditions so these investments can take place. Um, and in um, G fans in their report, they emphasize this a lot. Um, that governments need to be pressured uh, to create high-level cross-cutting enabling environments, um, establish investment-friendly business environments, and pipelines of bankable investment opportunities. Sounds very uh, environmentally focused, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. High-level well, cross-cutting enabling. What is this gobbledygook? It is just uh, the worst financial vague rhetoric thrown out there to cover up yeah. their real estate. Well, well, essentially,
0: it's creating an environment that enables these people to inv- to to invest in and create projects and take ownership of whatever they want in the targeted country. I hope, um, I
1: hope people can understand that what we're looking at is this gigantic machine that is being constructed. And every gear in the machine interlocks with every other gear so that it all it all functions beautifully from the perspective of the people who want to control this machine. So that, for example, you want to bet that these country platforms will decide that the one of the best ways to invest this $130 trillion pool that they're apparently creating is going to be the natural asset companies. And how do you get a credit? How do you become a natural asset company? Well, of course, that's going to be controlled by, the Intrinsic Exchange Group, which is the Rockefellers and the IADB and groups like that. Or um, another thing that I'll throw into the mix here is something that I was writing about a couple of weeks ago in my Welcome to the New Economy uh, article, where I I noted the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, which is a a body created by the Financial Stability Board, which is a subset of the Bank for International Settlements, the central bank of central banks, um, that is uh, working out the framework and metrics to measure portfolio and sectoral net zero alignment. So again, it's centralized body of centralized body after centralized body of these banksters and their associates who get to decide. Uh, this corporation is doing it right and oh yes okay you've ticked the right boxes and you don't they are creating a system where they have the lever of control you will get access to this 130 trillion we're creating out of nothing you will not get access because you don't play by the rules and they'll come up with whatever arbitrary metrics that they want and then they'll measure and value things via their intrinsic value well we think this rock has a trillion dollars of intrinsic value and uh that's we will give our you know here is here's our framework that we've created for how we've decided that but they're laughing all the way to the bank at this and i think the point is not to this, no one is taking this seriously are they? This is just, hey, here's the next fraud. Hey, remember all that collateralized debt obligation stuff that we were doing? Ah, whatever. This is the next one. Everybody pile on board. And I think people are getting the signal here. But again, this relates back to the MDBs and the, the World Bank and the IMF and how they're going to be part of this system. It, As I say, every piece fits together in, and it's all just justified by the name green. Just insert the name environmentally friendly in it and uh, most people will be uh, on board with this agenda.
0: Yeah, uh, which is really upsetting because these investments that G-Fans is going to push through, a lot of them at least, are are going to be actually really environmentally destructive. Um, uh, probably the best example I can think of is uh, there's a company called Cobalt Metals uh, that's backed by the great philanthropists Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and Mike Bloomberg, who's running G. Fans with Mark Carney um, himself, as well as uh, Reid Hoffman of LinkedIn. Uh, I believe Mark Zuckerberg's on there as well. I mean, it's like all these billionaires are backing it. Um, It's an AI mining firm that is trying to find all of the world's lithium, copper, nickel, and cobalt um, because all of that all of the known reserves of that per this company are going to be necessary in order to uh, affect uh, or, or bring about the net zero economy by transitioning to electric vehicles and getting off coal and all of this stuff. Those metals specifically are mostly concentrated in the very countries they're targeting through G-Fans, uh like Latin America. And Africa. Um, and they plan to basically force countries to open up those, those deposits so that, you know, these, uh, this outside investment can mine them and it will be, oh, for the net zero economy, it's fine. Um, if you're familiar with how uh, mines are run in the developing world, um, specifically uh, copper mines, uh, cobalt mines, nickel mines, all of those, uh, they're extremely environmentally destructive. Um, uh, in the case of, uh, you know, Africa, where there's a lot of cobalt mining in places like uh, the Congo, um, child labor is used. I mean, it's 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 a horrendous. Um, industry fraught with a lot of problems. Um, this can just, uh, you know, for uh, this uh, system they're trying to create here with G fans can just force uh, any government they want really uh, to open up out of the necessity of net zero. You know, they have the weight of, uh, you know, basically the world's fi- uh, existing financial system behind them and the UN. Uh, so they'll have to go toe to toe with that to oppose um a lot of these investments, and also a reimagined multilateral development banking system that will be targeting uh, them explicitly, uh, along with um, country platforms, um, as G- fans calls them, and all of that. If they, you know, uh, want to keep these particular investors from mining that particular um, asset or uh, resource in 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 uh, their country. Um, it's totally insane um, that this is being uh, sold as as green, and some of this is actually going on in uh, with seabed mining. Uh, the International Seabed Authority, as it's called, another UN backed group, uh, you know, uh, allowing. Um, different uh, governments and also a Lockheed Martin subsidiary to scrape the seabed for cobalt uh, reserves. And they're not liable for any environmental damage uh, per the way their, their documents have been um, drawn up. So, uh, you know, these really aren't uh, green investments. They're just being sold that way to the public. Um, But, you know, enough people are buying it, which is unfortunate. Um, But this is really, um, Not even just, it's even beyond a swindle. It's taking ownership of the natural world and it's destroying um, a lot of the uh, natural uh, resources that have left to be untouched um, or, you know, uh, protected areas, exploiting those even further. I mean, it's it's really beyond.
1: It really is. And I want to underline that point because... uh, as we've pointed out, this is a scam. This is a swindle. Even Tariq Fancy and all these people are coming out and saying, even the true believers are saying, this is a swindle. I've seen from the inside. I know all these players. They're all charlatans. This isn't about saving Mother Earth. Okay, it is a swindle. But... It is more than that. And we have to stress that because I see the tendency in some people for their eyes to glaze over. Okay, so it's some sort of financial thing they're doing and whatever. <laughs> How does this affect me? I'm a bricklayer in Toledo, whatever. You know, who cares? This isn't, this is about high finance. This isn't about me. How does this affect the average human being on this planet, Whitney?
0: Well, I guess it's it's easier to speak to the effect this is going to have on people in the developing world, Um uh, because the, these are the areas being targeted, um, you know, I live in a country, for example, in, in Chile that has a lot of the world's lithium and a lot of the world's copper, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> um, that is going to be targeted in exactly this way. These natural asset corporations are going to come here. Um, and there's already talks about it. Uh, if you look at the the campaign platforms of the um, uh, Chilean politicians running in the, the currently ongoing election here, lots of talks about natural assets and green finance um, and all of this stuff, a specific focus on that as well, uh, being the region where I live, um, you know, this is basically going to push a lot of people off of... Um, off of their land um and it's going to be used to meddle in politics on a scale that uh you know i guess the middle east has seen you know back when it was a hydrocarbon driven uh, economy but now with these you know uh, lithium um copper nickel all of that stuff being the new hydrocarbons for this new economy uh they're trying to make it's going to be a lot of um uh, it's going to be other countries that are going to be targeted um, through coups and things like that. And it's really already happened. Um, if you look at Tanzania, um, there was the death of John Magufuli um, earlier this year. A lot of people speculated it had to do with his um, pushback against the COVID narrative. But if you look at the timing of his death about a month before um his disappearance, um, which lasted several weeks before he suddenly died, um, he had kicked out um, all of the GMO food trials uh, backed by Gates and other billionaires in his country. And he had also um, nationalized the largest development-ready nickel mine in the entire world that had previously been um owned by Barrick Gold and Glencore. Uh, he kicked them both out and then created a, a, a joint ownership uh, project uh, with, I think, some, some group backed by some uh, Norwegian uh, billionaire. But he was basically trying to get have Tanzania have a share in the profits and not have it all be exploited for the benefit of Barrick Gold and, and Glencore, um, essentially. Um, and I think that was probably a major factor in uh, why he had to be removed. And I think, you know, it, whereas in the past, a lot of people were looking at uh, coup attempts because of, uh, you know, oil flows or pipelines and all of this stuff like we've seen in past decades. Uh, this is really going, I mean, we've seen it in Bolivia to an extent too, people are speculating the coup in Bolivia had to do with lithium. Uh, that That's what's going to happen now. We're going to see uh, wars over these assets Um and efforts to bring countries to their knees um, for uh, allow these uh, particular companies like cobalt metals and the billionaires backing them uh, to take control of all of these resources. Um, And really it's a, you know, a neo-colonialist imperialist project on a massive scale. Um, But, you know, that's just, you know, one angle of this. If we go and we add in, you know, the whole natural asset corporation, uh, angle of this what this means for the regular person well a lot of people over the past i guess year and a half or so have been throwing around the world economic forum uh phrase you'll own nothing and be happy okay so <laughs> what that means is there what that means in this context is that it's not just what you can own now, you won't own later. Uh, you're going to be charged uh, for things that aren't currently monetized. The air you breathe, uh, you know, you're, uh, the water you drink and, and all of this stuff. Your ability to even go walk in a forest is going to be licensed to you Um by these predatory individuals. And if you look at someone like, like Jeff Bezos, who comes up again and again, um, in this stuff, uh, he recently talked about how most people in the future won't even live on Earth, they'll live in space colonies. Uh, so they'll even license your ability to be on the freaking planet. Uh, and you'll be in the Bezos <laughs> Gulag in the sky. Um, you know, And if you're a good citizen, you'll be allowed to come visit Uh, the planet like someone visits Yellowstone was sort of his analogy um, for it. So essentially we're allowing the 1% to take complete ownership of the planet and do whatever they want with it. Um, You and I have talked before about how um, these elites are trying to create an anti-human future, but really this is, you know, them trying to take, um, you know, ownership of um, all of really organic life. Um, And there's a lot of different elements to this too, like gene editing, Patenting genes and all this stuff is another angle uh, that needs to be explored as well. But really, this is, um, you know, a war against life itself. And if you look at, you know, where we're being moved here, the fourth industrial revolution, um, it's it's about synthesizing synthetic life with organic life. It's really eliminating um, organic life on a massive scale, um, and they're cloaking this um, and selling it to people. Uh, with collectivist uh, terminology um, and propaganda and claiming that this is all, uh, we all have to come together to save the planet. But really, we're uh, we're not saving the planet. We're handing it, if, if we go along with this, we're handing it on a silver platter to people that will destroy it and will destroy us um, as a species. Um, and it's, it's a really... Um, it's beyond an existential crisis, even. I mean, it's this is, um, like you said in a really there excellent anything- recent interview uh, with yeah. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., this is really the final battle. This in- is it. How could there be anything <laughs> yeah. bigger
1: than this? This is my message to the bricklayer in Toledo who thinks, ah, oh, whatever, who cares? It's just some scams on the fan. No, this is about your ability to live your life. Let's look short term. It's the natural asset companies and the valuation and putting monetization of natural assets that creates the financialization of nature, which, as you say, once you start putting prices on natural processes, you better believe you will be charged for those natural... Well, we have to maintain and preserve, and, well, that costs money, so you're going to have to... Freedom as a service, as you mentioned um, parenthetically in one of these articles. That is going to be a part of it, so that is sort of the short-term part of it. The medium-term vision of this uh, is something I laid out a, a, a couple of months ago in the newsletter. Absolute Zero, The Global Agenda Revealed talking about how net zero isn't enough. No, no, no. It's going to have to be absolute zero. All air travel will have to stop. All sea travel, um, uh, cargo shipping and all of that, will have to stop until we can replace it all with nuclear-powered cargo ships or something along those lines. Uh, New construction will have to stop. This isn't some fringe wingnuts that are talking about this. This is a a major organization, UK Fires, that just put this up that has all sorts of globalist connections that's talking about the the vision of the future. So that's the medium term. And as you say, the long term is ultimately not only the, the monopolization of the natural resources of the planet, but then the replacing, essentially, of natural organic life with the synthetic, controlled, patented, you-better-pay-for-it monstrosities that are coming of not just genetically modified organisms as we know them, but literally genetic and synthetic creations of all sorts that... I I don't know how anyone who is genuinely concerned about the planet could be suckered in by this nonsense for a fraction of a second. But if so, wake up! Up! This is about the future, not just of the human species, but of life itself on planet Earth, and it is being handed over to the banksters because they're saying green and waving an environmentally friendly flag. Wake up. This is it. This is the fight. I am fired up about this because I really see this as such a linchpin of the system. The carbon ration cards and everything are going to be the stepping stones along the path to that system of total control. And if we don't start wrapping our minds around this, we lose this game by default. So I am going to urge everyone in the audience to take a look at these articles that we're linking up from unlimited hangout and spread this information around to anyone in your life who you think might be suckered in by the, Oh good. The UN is on our side now. And Oh, they're trying to save the planet. Stop it.
0: Yeah. No. Uh, at the end of one of these articles, I forget which one, uh, I talk specifically about the UN and how there's this public perception of what the UN is and how the UN actually is per, uh, the heads of the UN themselves, um, I quote from a, a speech uh, given by Kofi Annan when he was head of the UN, and, and uh, he made the speech, I guess, in 1998, uh, saying that a quiet revolution had taken place at the UN, and now the business uh, businesses of the world are the business is the business of the UN, and they don't work with just governments anymore, because there's this public perception that it's um, – you know, uh, national governments all coming together, and it's an international consensus, and most of these national governments are democracies, so it's really an international democratic consensus, and that's not what's happening at all. Um, basically, the people calling the shots at the UN are philanthropists, billionaires, and the private sector, uh, and the only really real role of governments is to create these enabling environments, which is what we see um with G fans, but this is really something the UN has been doing, um, for a while. And it's really no surprise if you look at that and look at that history, why they would back something like G fans, but maybe, uh, it surprises people who uh, tend to, uh, maintain, I guess, still that, uh, prevailing, uh, public perception, but hopefully, uh, by looking at some of these, uh, reports, people can start to realize what the UN, um, actually is and how it actually um, is operating here um, and what its ambitions are, uh, which are really the ambitions of the people uh, that tell it what to do. Um,
1: Absolutely right. And if these articles don't go some way towards waking people up on those issues, I really don't know what will. So I'm going to direct people there again. And we're also going to direct people to an important series that you're also writing, um, a three-part series on Moderna, the first two parts of which have already been released, COVID-19, uh, uh, sorry, Moderna, a company in need of a miracle, and COVID-19, Moderna gets its miracle. Um, extremely important going doing deep dive research into the Moderna development of the COVID vaccine and how it came along at just the right time, wouldn't you know it, um, is some extremely interesting information in there. The third part of that article is forthcoming, so we'll leave the discussion, the deep dive discussion on that for a, f- a future date. But I hope people will at least get up to speed on the first couple parts, because i Obviously, the COVID entire crisis is part of the sense of crisis that we are uh, being steeped in in order to justify all of the things that we're talking about today. If If you're not scared, they can't sell you the solution. So, um, well,
0: well. also there's this effort and I'm sure you've seen it, James that they're trying to uh, merge climate change with COVID, frame climate change as a health crisis um, these, these claims that um, climate change is leading to an increase in heart problems uh, just at around uh, the same time that there was increased talk of myocarditis and other issues related to uh, the global uh, COVID-19 vaccination campaign but also this claim um, that there was a doctor that diagnosed Diagnosed someone formally uh, with climate change in Canada. And in a recent show of hers, uh, Catherine Austin Fitz brought up the great point. Well, if it's an official diagnosis, you can't officially diagnose someone uh, with something unless, you know, they, there's codes in the system or the insurer has codes for those things. So that implies that if it's an official diagnosis at the institution, this was actually. Dealt out at, um, you know, if that if the story is really true, then that infrastructure uh, is already in place to diagnose people uh, with climate change uh, related illnesses. And um, I forget exactly uh, what the nature of the quote was, but a few uh, weeks ago, I tweeted out something from one of uh, the top officials at the World Health Organization uh, talking about how climate change is a health crisis, and all the nurses he's talked to are just so concerned. They're not worried about COVID anymore. They're worried about climate change related illnesses. So, you know, I think there's going to be an increased effort to sort of merge um, these narratives together to increase that sense of urgency and increase the fear.
1: I I have another story right along those lines. Um, Pastor of Gospel Light Baptist Church in Amherst, find under Health Protection Act. And this is talking about Robert Smith, the pastor of the Gospel Light Baptist Church in Amherst, has been fined for a gathering which contravened the COVID-19 order under the Health Protection Act. Okay, we've seen this story before, right? The summary offense ticket was issued today, November 17th, by the Inspection, Compliance, and Enforcement Division of the Department of Environment and Climate Change after an investigation. Doesn't it all fit together? Yeah, the Department of Health, Environment, Climate Change, whatever. It's all the same. And we're going to start issuing fines based on... The, it is all coming together. And this is why they are changing it from health as as a, as, as, as this, uh, as a field that, oh, well, you know, we're, we're providing health services to you too. It is now health is mandated. It's health security. It is the biosecurity changeover that I've been talking about. And that is absolutely part and parcel. Yeah of the climate change the, agenda. A,
0: a lot of these agendas, the fourth industrial revolution, uh, you know, being, uh, one of them in, um, this transformation of the global financial system being another, all of this was planned, uh, <laughs> years ago. Um, and basically, you know, COVID was one catalyst. Climate change is, uh, another excuse and they're just going to use anything that sticks. You know, if those don't stick, they'll just come up with something else. Um, As a way to sell it, but really they're just looking for a way to to sell uh, these huge uh, transformations, I guess, as the Rockefeller Foundation calls it the Great Transformation, the World Economic Forum calls it the Great Reset. Um, All of these ambitions and and plans have been around for years and aren't necessarily linked to these things like COVID-19 or climate change, uh, but they have done that as a way, as a marketing uh, scheme. Really, as a way to get people to sign on and to and to back it. Um, so I think that's um, an important distinction to, to to point out that a lot of these these things, these plans, uh, pre- precede any sort of public concern about these issues uh, that are you know being framed as uh, planetary imperatives and things like that.
1: Exactly right. Yeah. No, it's a, it is it's a gigantic marketing scheme that has been incredibly successful. Perhaps the most. uh, It's successful marketing slash propaganda campaign in the history of mankind. um, Remains to be seen, I suppose. Maybe we can actually get through to some people this time. That, no, I'm not a big oil-funded shill for being worried about the future of the planet, which is essentially the position we've been backed into here, is that if you don't go along with anything that claims to be green, then you're a horrible oil-funded shill.
0: That, that's really insane in the context of G-Fans. You don't trust Mark Carney. You don't trust Mike Bloomberg. You're a shill for big oil. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you don't you know, trust the uh, Rockefellers? Just... You're a shill for big oil. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
0: know. Okay. Now uh, pe- people that People that believe that at this point have just given their brains and bags over to the billionaires and are like, I don't want to think anymore. I just want to feel superior and feel like I'm doing something. But the people that are in that camp, you know, this is why this makes me um, so angry because the people that are going to suffer in the developing world, um, out of sight and out of mind, the people that love, like, buy into these agendas are going to be like, oh, cool, yeah, we're going to have more electric cars here uh, while you're totally exploiting and destroying the lives of people in Africa and Latin America. Um, so you can like feel better, feel like your existence is more green when it's actually not. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, I I run out of words for it because, you know, I live in a, a country that is heavily mined and, uh, the entire north of Chile is an environmental disaster because of the mining industry, um, I used to live and work in, in Peru in one of the most um, intensely mined areas there. Uh, Pete locals would try and, and, and rise up and do something. The military would come in, put bags on the heads of people and push them off cliffs. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that the mining industry does down here. And you're going to, you know, uh, remake the system to make it even more predatory um, just so you can have more electric cars and feel better because all of your neighbors have Teslas now, Um you know, people like that, I, I, uh, I can't really hide my disgust. Um, anymore because you're not making the world greener. You're making yourself feel better um, and you're, uh, like I said earlier, you're giving uh, the natural world and the livelihoods of lots of disenfranchised people uh, and people seem to be disenfranchised um, over to uh, predatory bankers that are responsible for the actual environmental crises that the world is facing. This
1: is it. Yeah. Some people are handing their brains in bags over to the billionaires. I feel like I've dashed my brains against the brick wall for a decade trying to get anyone <laughs> to take atten- pay attention yeah. to this issue but thankfully as i say thankfully you're digging your teeth into this you've uncovered some incredibly important information here and we can only skim the surface of this in a conversation so i hope people go read follow the links and actually wrap their minds around what is going on um whitney webb i think we'll leave it there for today but thank you for doing this and thank you for helping uh, to spread the word
0: absolutely thank you james